Hello and welcome to the third show of the Business Social Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Sykes and Ray Equities. Today on our show to talk about Real Estate Investment Trust, also known as REIT. We have a leading corporate trainer, a financial planner, an IIM alumni, and the CEO and co-founder of Sykes and Ray EduPro, Mr. Kirtan Shah. So Kirtan, I've been following you on Twitter and uh, recently I saw you had posted something about REITs. And I thought it would be interesting to speak to you about that. You give a very nice example about how if a company wants to start or register itself as an REIT, how they can raise funds from the public and issue an IPO. Can you tell us more about the example that you gave and uh, how do you think this is going to work? First of all, Akash, thank you so much for having me on the show. Okay, so REITs is uh, actually a very unpopular concept or rather I would say a newer concept in terms of India is because in India there are only two listed REITs as of now and then we have another four or five REITs which are in pipeline. So a lot of our viewers would have actually not heard a lot about what REITs are. So to give you a simple example and to quote the same that I wrote actually in my Twitter account as well. Let's say for example if I'm a developer, uh, Raheja. I feel that there is a huge potential to develop a commercial property or a commercial real estate here in Mumbai or let's say in Hyderabad. What I would rather do is I would want to first buy the land and then do some constructions on it so that then I can lease out the commercial property. But as soon as I decide that I want to buy the land and I want to do construction, the first thing that everybody would require to do something like that is some amount of money to be able to buy the land and build the real estate. So how do I get that money? So what I generally do is I put in my own money, which is capital. I can borrow from banks or mutual funds as debt, or I can also get in a partner, an equity partner. Let's say I reach out to BlackRock and BlackRock may also invest something for me to buy this land and build the real estate and become an equity partner. So assume that I invested some of my money. I got some loans from banks and mutual funds. And I also got BlackRock to join in as an equity partner. And that's how I raised money. I bought the land and then I started construction. So what happened is people in Bombay would be familiar that you have something called as mind space in Malad. That is exactly the project that I'm talking to you of that the land was bought, real estate was constructed. And then that real estate is given out as a lease to leading corporates, predominantly MNCs. So how does Raheja here benefit? So Raheja now owns the land, Raheja owns the real estate, but the income is predominantly through getting rents from the leased property. Now there comes a time where probably Raheja wants to buy another land or build more real estate in the same land because there is a lot of land empty and vacant there. Now again, the same process would start where will Raheja get more monies from. So one way where Raheja can actually raise more money is coming out with an IPO. Now Raheja is not coming out with an IPO on its entire company. What Raheja is doing is only this particular project called Mindspace is actually listed out as a trust or a corporation. And that trust or the corporation comes out with an IPO. So in very simple terms, it's only mind space that is coming out with an IPO and not actually Kera Heja, the entire group. 
So Mindspace comes out with an IPO which you would have seen or heard a month back. And Mindspace came out with this particular IPO, raised funds. And with that fund, Reja can do a lot of things. Like Reja can pay off debts that they've bought from banks or for that matter, mutual funds. Reja can build more real estate and then give it out on lease. Or Reja can also buy new land and then look at doing more constructions there. Now this piece of Mindspace getting listed and Kereja raising more money on this project, real estate or mind space and then building more real estate is called the real estate investment trust. In very simple language, let's say Akash, you want to invest in real estate. Now investing in real estate in Bombay would be a very high ticket size affair, right? And also it is not very liquid. So you might want to sell your real estate. You will find it slightly difficult to be able to sell the real estate immediately and raise funds quickly is exactly where real estate investment trusts as an investment comes as an opportunity for investors. Now, why do I make that comment? Somebody can invest in this mind space kind of a real estate investment trust with as low as 50,000 rupees. You invest 50,000 rupees and you buy into this real estate investment trust which means indirectly you own a small part of mind space, which is the commercial business park in Bombay. Now, because this is also listed on the stock exchange, it also provides you liquidity. So you can sell it immediately, unlike a normal real estate. And third and the most important thing here is that in a REIT structure, right? Let's say mind space that we are talking about, it is mandatory that if Mindspace as a REIT is collecting 100 rupees of, let's say, lease revenue, from that 100 rupees of lease revenue that Mindspace is collecting, it is a compulsion that 90 rupees has to be transferred to the unit holders or shareholders in the form of dividends, which means as an investor in REIT, I get exposure to commercial real estate, I make dividend income, and because it is also listed on the exchange, the price of the REIT can go up and that's how I can make capital gains as well. So that's a little introduction to what REITs are, Akash. Well, that was actually very interesting because I think you laid down the example very, very well right now. And you also mentioned that investors get dividend back. Now, I want to ask one thing. I know that dividend usually in India is not taxable, whereas in other countries it is taxable. So does that make this a much better investment that the dividend here is actually tax-free so that that's a good chunk of money coming into me? So Akash, I would want you to look at it slightly differently. So let's say, for example, who are these set of people who want a regular cash flow and what kind of investments would these guys do? So let's say if I'm somebody who's looking at a regular cash flow, while me wanting to judge whether an investment is good or bad for me, I would always try and compare it with the current market GSEC rate. So let's say currently the GSEC rate in India is 6%. So if I invest in probably one of the government papers at this point in time, I will make roughly 6% on that. But at the same time, if I invest in commercial real estate today, the yield or the rent yields are anywhere between 7.5 to 8%. So in my opinion, REITs are an interesting product when your GSEC rates are pretty low. 
is because when the GSEC rates are low, fixed income investments don't really pay you so much of interest. Like say, for example, today, if you invest in a fixed deposit, SBI's fixed deposit pays you anywhere in the range of 5.1% to 5.3% as fixed deposit. GSEC is paying you 6%. So versus that, if I invest in a REIT, I am bound to make anywhere in the range of 75 to 8% as rental yield. So what happens is, let's say, for example, if I invest in Mindspace REITs, Mindspace would receive 75 to 8% rental yield. Of that, 90% has to be distributed. So let's say, for example, to keep it simple, Mindspace received 8% rental yield. 90% of that is 7.1. So 7.1 will actually get distributed to all the shareholders who are holding the Mindspace REIT. Now, how does the taxation really work here is, dividends are actually tax-free in the hand of the investor. But while the REIT is transferring or giving these dividends, the REIT deducts something called as withholding tax. So in the past, Akash, we had something called as, or rather we still have something called as dividend distribution tax. So dividend distribution tax is something that companies follow, where before giving out the dividend, they deduct some money, which used to happen in the past. That's a similar structure in REIT, where REITs, before paying out the dividends to you, they deduct a 10% withholding tax and pay out the remaining dividend to you, which is tax-free in the hand of the investor. So that is, in my opinion, a brief summary of how should you look at REIT investments versus other fixed income instruments back here in India. So what you're trying to say is that the withholding tax and the dividend distribution tax are almost very similar in a way. Correct. So what used to happen in the past is, Akash, while a company would issue dividends in India, in the past, dividends were tax-free in the hand of investors. Because the company used to pay something called as dividend distribution tax. Now what happens is that the company does not pay a dividend distribution tax. But when the dividend is received by the shareholder, the shareholder is expected to pay a tax on the dividend. Similarly, what happens in REITs is, in REITs, the dividend that the shareholder receives is tax-free in the hands of the shareholder. Because... The REIT is paying something called as withholding tax of 10%. That makes sense. Now, we've discussed about the REITs and how it's functioning currently. It's a little premature in the Indian market. As we see in the US market, 96% of the total real estate market cap is in REITs. And in Singapore, Japan and Malaysia as well, it's significant. It's around 55%, 51% and 42%. Whereas in India, it's barely 17%. That too with MBC being the only one listed. And now with Mindspace coming in, we see that it might move up to around 29 to 30% of the market share. How do you say that the future is going to be of the REITs? And where do you see it going ahead? Do you think more builders will start coming up and and raising funds from the public this way? So Akash, just to give you a slight global perspective, the global market in REITs is roughly $3 trillion. This is as per uh, Bloomberg's latest report, of which 66.2% market is held by USA, right? And like you rightly pointed out in Asia specific and specifically to do with India, India is a very small or premature market as of now. 
But I think one very important uh, data point that everybody in the real estate industry understands now that market is to a certain extent peaking out. It's becoming very difficult for real estate developers to raise more money from banks, NBFCs. There is a capital crunch. And in such a situation, real estate markets cannot really thrive. Given the same thought process, the reason why the real estate market or the REITs market in the US and the developed economy works is because there the concept of leasing residential, commercial is very superior or dominating versus in India. In India, still in the residential real estate market, people like you and me really want to still own a house and not lease a house. Of course, I'm sure both of us here agree that you know, this thought process in India is changing that we should have a house and, you know, these financially literate people are really moving to leasing a house, then going ahead and purchasing a house. So that concept of leasing is becoming apparent in India and keeping these two things in mind where this thought process of leasing is becoming predominant in India and at the same time real estate developers are finding it difficult to raise money. I think REITs really has some future in India. And like you rightly said that you know there, there's been only one embassy REIT which got listed the last year and Mindspace just got listed. I think there is a lot of interest by real estate developers wanting to do REITs is because just the last month when Mindspace got listed we have Brookfield which is another REIT which has applied for an IPO. What I understand, there are another four REITs in pipeline. So I feel that this is one interesting and important way that real estate developers would want to raise money in these challenging times where capital is becoming difficult for them to raise. And given the comfort that anybody can invest as low as 50,000 rupees, tax is interesting in the dividends that investors receive. I think this will become a predominant way that real estate shapes up in India, in my opinion, Akash. That's actually very interesting because now if REITs start booming, that means the real estate stock prices also start going up. That's what I believe because there'll be so much money coming in and there'll be so many new projects and also unfinished projects that might just end up getting completed on time because there's so much at stake now. Also, now we see that the REITs are basically outperforming sectoral indices like your S&P, BSE Reality Index and the BSE India Infrastructure Index. Do you see this as something that will continue to outperform these two indices in the future? Because if it's so available to the investor at such low prices, it'll be way more lucrative for them to invest in something that is more fixed rather than something got to do with the indices. Akash, that's a brilliant question. And like both of us know that it is very premature in India to make a comment like that is because you know, we've just got two REITs listed as of now. But I would like to give you a very interesting data point that I pulled out from something called as NARITS. NARITS is basically a national association of REITs in the US. And the July 2020 report actually gave some very interesting data points around REITs over the last 40 years. So that report very categorically highlighted that between 1972 to 2020, and we are talking about a good 48 years history, their REIT index has generated an 11.37% CAGR. Whereas the same time, S&P has generated 10.48, NASDAQ has generated 8.93, 
and Dow Jones has generated 7.19. So if you look at a 48-year-old history and data point in the US where REITs are very apparent, will give you comfort that over a longer period of time, REITs have done far superior than all major indices in the US and has been able to generate alpha. To give you an Indian example, so if you look at, let's say, MBC, which got listed in the last year, now, MBC got listed at an issue price of 300. And I'm talking about last week's data point where MBC was trading at 360 rupees. So you already have a 60 rupee of capital gains already on MBC. And at the same time, MBC last year, rupees 24.39 per units of dividend. So if I have to just give you a broader number, from the time MBC got listed, up to last week, embassy has been able to generate 13.82% CAGR just over the last 14-15 months of embassy's listing. So, you know, India is slightly premature to make a comment. But if I have to fall back on what I see happening in the US with close to 11.37% CAGR and a 48-year history and REIT index beating S&P, NASDAQ and Dow Jones, I'm sure with the growth perspective in India and the nascent Indian real estate market, I think REITs have a long way to go in India and probably or definitely a small allocation of most investors can be allocated to this particular asset class in my opinion. Now that we've discussed a lot about REITs, can you tell us who should invest in these kind of instruments and how is this different from a mutual fund? If I was an investor and I was thinking of entering into REITs, should I actually enter into REITs or should I go into a mutual fund? What is the difference between these two and what kind of investors should actually invest in these? Great. So Akash, ideally, let me first help you understand the difference slightly so that the viewers have a clear understanding of what are we talking about. So look, Akash, what happens in a REIT is you are investing in one particular project. Like say, for example, the, the project that we were talking about is Mindspace. So when you buy the Mindspace REIT, you are investing in the Mindspace project, which is based out of Mumbai. And you are investing in the Mindspace project, which is based out of Hyderabad. But while we talk about real estate mutual funds, now there are two categories. First is a real estate fund in the debt space. Now, what I mean in the debt space is what happens is while we give money to the mutual funds, the mutual funds will typically go ahead and lend this money to real estate developers. So the first difference is the debt fund, which is lending money to real estate, is actually called a mortgage fund. And the REITs of Mindspace that we spoke of is called the equity fund. Why? Let me just emphasize that a little so that everybody understands. While we are investing in Mindspace, we are becoming a shareholder and owning the real estate, owning the mind space, right? But while we are investing money in the real estate fund of a mutual fund, which is debt in nature, we don't own equity. We are actually leasing money or giving money on mortgage. And that money is given to real estate developers where they will pay us a fixed coupon or a fixed interest for the money that we've lent. Now, this is the primary difference between a real estate-led fund on the mutual fund side versus a REITs. So anybody who wants to do a lending or interest receiving 
investment can ideally look at doing a real estate mutual fund kind of a product but in my opinion reits is far superior is because you have a better visibility on the cash flow in terms of dividend income through rents you can also get capital gains and also the rent that we are receiving is much more tax efficient so in reits when we receive rent what is getting deducted is only 10% of withholding tax but when we receive coupons on real estate mutual funds will be taxed as per our slab so if we are in the 30% tax bracket we pay 30% and in the real estate mutual funds there is no opportunity to make capital gains but over here on the reach there is an opportunity to make capital gains so i think anybody who's looking at a combination of a little bit of equity and a little bit of debt kind of an investment which is more balanced those kind of investors should look at reits and somebody who is only looking at a debt kind of an investment should look at investing in real estate led mutual funds that kind of simplifies what a investor has to do when it comes to making a decision between reits and mutual funds can you uh, also explain to us or point out the pros and cons of reits sure akash so i've been talking all about all good about reits so let me just reiterate so reits like i said the minimum investment that you can own a real estate is just 50000 rupees it has liquidity which is because it is listed on the exchange you can buy and sell at any point in time it's slightly tax efficient is because uh, like i said when you receive dividends from the reits all that you are indirectly paying is a 10% withholding tax you also make a capital gains because it's listed on the exchange and the capital gains is very similar to stock exchange where if you hold the reit for 3 years and then sell it your capital gains is taxed at only 10% but if you sell it before 3 years you are taxed at 15% because it will be considered as short term capital gains so i believe this is far more tax efficient than doing real estate directly these in my opinion are the positives yes negatives can be 2 3 akash first is in india reits in my opinion will only be available on the commercial real estate side because commercial real estate has 7 and 1/2 8% dividend yields or rent yields it cannot happen on residential real estate because residential real estate in india yields anywhere between 2 to 3% so the first thing is reits will only be available in commercial real estate space second with corona that we've encountered over the last 6 months this culture of work from home has slightly become prevalent in a lot of organizations so if we think that you know working from home probably becomes the next culture in india then probably in my opinion larger organizations may not want to lease out properties as they were or offices as they were doing in the past so that can be a slight hindrance for this kind of a business model and i think this can become a challenge going forward if work from home as a culture becomes uh, slightly prominent in india this in my opinion is the largest or the biggest negative for uh, reits or real estate investment trusts in india in my opinion that's uh, actually very true because right now india is not ready i feel for residential reits as residential property market is currently highly fragmented and it's significantly unorganized there's a lot of things that are going on in the back end which are not amply clear and i feel personally that 
if that's the case then like what you rightly said it will be more skewed towards a commercial side where they're building hospitals where they're building commercial parks etc and you know that way it actually boom the commercial side like you said rather than the residential side but like you also mentioned about corona being there if people are going to start working from home then we don't actually know the potential of the residential side again that's a gray area because we don't know how soon things can actually change india is very dynamic that way because the minute one thing clicks everything will just change so coming to our last question how do you think that reits is going to benefit the investor in the future in the sense that do you see any normal person including a reit in their portfolio so akash uh, for me i am a true believer that there has to be a decent diversification in the portfolio and i'm sure given the indian context real estate is actually a part of investment for a lot of retail investors the reason why a lot of us are not able to do real estate investing is because like we mentioned that the ticket size to do real estate investing in india is extremely high with reits allowing you to do real estate kind of investments as as low as 50000 rupees i think definitely this will become a very popular investment product in the indian context and it'll really solve this puzzle of real estate diversification also at the same time what i understand is this will also bring in a lot of negative correlation to the portfolio which can help the portfolio in terms of diversification now why do i make this comment is look while markets go down in terms of equity that does not really impact the real estate market as much i mean if markets fall by let's say 50% tomorrow it is not very directly proportional to physical real estate in india that the physical prices of the real estate in india fall by 50% so the markets are going down of course there is going to be a sentimental effect but the sentimental effect is going to be much lower in real estate is exactly where reach will come into picture as a diversification tool where the markets are falling reach won't fall significantly when the markets are going up it will rub off the positive effect on reach as well there is going to be a constant cash flow coming to the investor in terms of dividends which are extremely tax friendly and which is why i think this will definitely be a part or rather they should definitely be a part of investors portfolio who understand and want to take exposure to real estate because i think this is what solves the major puzzle in terms of larger ticket size low liquidity which are currently the problem with the physical real estate in india i guess that sums up more or less everything we wanted to speak about reits i guess that's it for today thank you everyone for logging in and thank you kirtan for speaking to us about reits and enlightening us about how things will be in the future and how things currently are to get more information regarding products services and other market content please log on to www.sri.co.in and feel free to contact kirtanesha on his twitter account and send him a tweet there if you have any questions regarding reits or any other market content that you want to speak or know about and follow us on facebook linkedin and instagram let's grow together thank you